Amen, amen. Well, praise God. You know, it's just always good to be gathered together as the body of Christ. I thank God that we have that opportunity. Um, and I'm uh, appreciative and thankful that, that you're here this morning. Uh, I want to just give a shout out to all the men, all the fathers that are in the house. Come on, give it up for them. So good to see you. You know, it was, uh, I'm going to share a few statistics this morning, but I, I was, uh, I was not that I was surprised, I guess, but I was looking at it. And um, today, out of all the holidays, is statistically the lowest attended day, holiday-wise, for the church. Less than Labor Day, less than the 4th of July, less, less than Memorial Day weekend, Father's Day the least statistically attended holiday. It's crazy, isn't it? And I did not know that. So I commend you for being here. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So to start the, the, the morning off, so that everybody's so serious this morning, right? Um, so I, I have to give you a few dad jokes. All right. So y'all ready? Just a few dad jokes to, to help you out, get things going. Um, so these are not originals for me. These are just some I found, but uh, I thought some of them were pretty good. So here's the first one. So why are elevator jokes so good? Anybody know? Because they work on so many levels. Yeah, all right. <laughs> All right, why did the guy get fired from his job at the orange juice factory? Because he couldn't concentrate. <laughs> All right, this, this one, you might get this one. What do you call an alligator in a vest? Who said that? Hey, good job, an investigator. Have you used that one? Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. What did the left eye say to the right eye? <laughs> That's a good one. Maybe so. <laughs> Said between you and me, something smells. <laughs> All right, let's see. I, I don't want to call anybody out on this one. So what do you call a group of rabbits walking backwards? A receding hairline. <laughs> All right, here's the last one. This is this one. This is another. All right. Why, where are the spiciest peppers com commemorated? The Hall of Peño. <laughs> <Some, laughs> no, you can't take them back. That's what makes them fun. That's what makes it a dad joke, right? And I get to laugh at it myself. So, um, all right, let's see if there's. Uh, Hold on. Okay. All right, here we go. This one's for you, Willie. 
I know y'all have chickens. So why, why does a chicken coop have two doors? Because if it had four doors, it would be a chicken sedan. <laughs> it's lame, isn't it? It's all right. It's good. Hey, come on. Just some courtesy laugh. Let me get some more courtesy laugh for the dad jokes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's important that we're able to have fun in the house of the Lord. Amen. The, the merry heart doeth good like a what? Like a medicine. Doesn't matter how stupid the joke is. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So it's important. Amen. So today I want to uh, share just a little bit. I, I, I really don't, <laughs> I'm not even going to say that out loud because I'll say it and then it won't be true. Um, but I, I want to just share a, a couple of points today and, and talk a little bit to fathers. And, uh, and it's going to be a good day, right? Uh, many times the, the men are always complaining that on Father's Day they get beat up. And uh, so I'm, I'm not going to beat up on any fathers today. Um, as, as I said, I'm excited that you're in the house. But I do have a few statistics. Um, I don't have a lot because that kind of gets boring. But, but there's a few powerful statistics concerning fathers. And I want to preface this by saying um, uh, that mothers... Um, I want you to understand that you are equals, you are valuable, you are just as important. Amen. Um, and so I, I want to say that up front because some of the statistics are very powerful. Um, and so they're not meant to uh, undermine the role of a mother um, uh, in, in, in the lives of our kids. Um, but I want you to understand as fathers or soon-to-be fathers or hope-to-be fathers how impactful your life is and today in our society as a whole we need fathers more than ever to be men of God live for God and set the example of living a godly life amen so uh, what I want to do is I want every child every person under the age let's just say 18 and under I don't know if we have any that are right at 18. But if you're 18 or under, I want you to stand up real quick. If you have a baby in the house with you, stand up with them. If you have a child, I need all the kids to stand up. I'm making a point here, so I need all the available bodies because I may have to add a few. They're counting real quick, so just give them a second. Y'all getting them all? Do what? No. 24, 25. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't want to do that. 12 more. Okay. Well, let me have 12 uh, men stand up. This, this, just 12 men. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9, 10, 11 in the back. We got 12 over here, 12. Okay. All right. This should be good. Okay. So you look around the room and, and hopefully we have right at 50 people. We could be give or take, right? But right at 50 people here. Okay. 
right at 50 people. So here's the statistic that I want you to see. This is what hit me. Um, Brother Kevin, won't you come up here? You get to be the one. All right. All right. Now listen, out of 50 people, if a father does not go to church but his wife does, okay? If a father does not go to church but his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. That means out of all those that are standing, now this is just an average statistic. It's not, it's not the law, right? So, and I say that because you may be a single mom and there are exceptions. And I've seen time and time again the exceptions. And when a mom makes a commitment to have their kids in church and prays for them and believes God for them, God will put somebody in their life that will help them to make sure that they continue on. Amen? But what I want you to understand is just on the average that even if mom brings them to church but dad does not go to church and is not involved in that, only one in 50 will become a regular attender. That, that lets you know, fathers, how vital your role is in your child and your uh, uh, child and, and anybody else's child that you are a father figure, the impact that you have on their life to make sure that they continue on uh, walking with God, serving the Lord, and, and being in the house of God. Amen? And I, I want you just to put your eyes on it this morning so you can see that this is not a lightweight thing, and it does matter that you as a father took the time today on Father's Day to make sure your kids, your family were in church. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you very much. Y'all give them a hand and y'all can sit down. It's, it, it doesn't have to be a negative. It ought to reinforce the positive of the impact that, that men, that fathers can have. And again, I'm not demeaning the mother. I'm just giving you the facts. I'm giving you the statistics. Okay, so here's a couple of other statistics. If a father goes regularly, regardless of what the mother does, okay, if the mother goes, doesn't go, stays home, if a father goes to church regularly, then two-thirds to three-fourths of their children will attend church regularly as adults. That's a powerful powerful statistic that just because you regardless so as a father you could have a wife who's unbelieving you could have a wife that is not serving the Lord and 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 but if you will make sure that you bring your kids to church and you make that a priority in your life then that is two-thirds to three-quarters so that's 66 to 75 percent opportunity for your child to continue on but see, many times we don't look at church and our attendance and our involvement in the house as impacting our kid's life past the age of 18. We just see it for the moment than it is. We see it for what's going on in our life today, and we don't realize that all of that is as actually setting up our children to either succeed in their walk with God or not. And you have an impact in that. Now here's some more. 
if a mother does not go to church, like at all, but a father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. Now listen, but in contrast, if a father does not go to church, but the mother does, on average, two-thirds of their children will not attend church. 66% chance if you and, and the dad doesn't go to church. Again, there's exceptions. Amen? There's exceptions to that. And I've seen it time and time again. Now check this out. This is another interesting. If a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability everyone else will follow. So if your child... And I've seen this happen, and I've seen the household get saved. But if your child is the one who got saved first, there's a 3.5% probability that the rest of the family would get saved and be a part of the house of God. Now watch. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there's a 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. 17%. So it's a huge jump between a child and a mother if the father is first there's a 93% probability everyone else in the household will follow if the father's first the father's first to serve the Lord 93% chance that the rest of the house will follow so outside of the statistics, what does all that mean, Pastor Rob? It means that dads have a huge impact on the lives of their children and their family spiritually. You have a huge impact, good or bad, you have an impact. Indifferent, you have an impact. On fire for God, you have an impact. Don't care about God, you have an impact. And I'm going to say this and take it a step further. Fathers, you will be held accountable. Make no mistake about it, that the world may not hold you accountable, but when you stand before Jesus Christ, you will be held accountable for the life that you live and the way you've led your family. You see, there's responsibility that comes with the responsibility of being the head of your household. Not better than your wife, not more important than your wife. I'm not saying that, you're equals. You're married, you're equals in the sight of God, but your roles are different. Do you see what I'm saying? And so it's important in our life to understand the importance and the value of that um, and, and the impact that you have. And I'm going to say this, not just as a natural father, but also the impact that you have as a spiritual father. See, you, you, you may not have kids, or maybe your kids are already grown, but that doesn't absolve you from the opportunity to be a father figure in somebody else's life and to a young man, young woman's life, and to have an impact on their life spiritually. You see, I have a spiritual father. I have a natural father who's a part of my life and I love him and, and, and he's an amazing dad and he serves the Lord today and he walks with God today but I also have a spiritual father who is my pastor and he is one who has helped and poured into my life and I've got other spiritual influence that have helped shape my life and make sure that I've stayed steady and true to what I believe and the world calls it brainwashing 
but it's brainwashing the other way around because there's no life in what the world says. There's no power in what the world says. So the only thing the world can appeal to is the intellect and the reasoning. So it makes their say-so the brainwashing. But as a child of God, when you say we're going to church today, when you say we're going to the house of God today, when you make that priority in your life, you are actually breathing the life of God into your children because you are obeying the word of God. So don't ever apologize for expecting your children to be in the house. Amen? And no, the church is not just an entertainment facility for your children. So there should be days, probably will be days, that your children might say, I do not want to go today. And don't say, okay, you don't have to go. You say, no, we are going to the house of God because it's not about how you feel. And if you're not careful, you'll teach your children that Christianity and their walk with God is all about how they feel and not about a disciplined life. Being in the house of God is a discipline. It's not a feeling. It is a decision that I'm going to do and be. If I'm the church, you can't be the church without the gathering. Now, you could gather in your home, but just you gathering with your family is not enough. And I'm not demeaning that. My family and I, we could gather. We've gathered and prayed. We've gathered and worshiped. We've gathered. But, but Jesus, if that was the case, then we could all just stay home and there wouldn't be any reason for what we do. But that's not the way he designed it. He designed it because there's purpose behind it. There's power in the gathering. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Well, isn't God everywhere? He is, but there are times when he shows up in an extraordinary way. And that's what happens when we gather together. There, there, there is something that's taking place, something powerful that's going on in our lives. Amen? So I want to commend you and, and there may be some fathers, I know we have some that, that aren't ready to be able to come back in the house. They, they may be at-risk people. There's different things. So this isn't just a blanket. If they're not here today, they're not being good fathers. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the habit of your life. You see, because you can get up and come to church one day, and then all the rest of the days you're not in the house. So I'm talking about the habitual choices of life. You see what I'm saying? These statistics are talking about not just one Sunday. They're talking about the, the habitual living in your life of whether you and I are engaging with the body of Christ and making sure that our kids are engaging with the body of Christ. Amen? I got one amen. Thank you, sir. Can I get another one? No, I'm just kidding. Amen. So... So I want to read to you a couple of scriptures this morning and, and just share some thoughts in my heart towards fathers. And, and again, I've just read some statistics, uh, but that's not the word of God. Those are statistics. Amen. So uh, it's a familiar verse, but I believe that it is speaking today more than ever. And it's Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And it says, and he will turn the hearts 
of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. He says, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, these are part of the last few verses of the book of Malachi. And he talks about Elijah coming. And he's saying that in that day, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the children and the hearts of the children towards the fathers. And, and I know that I shared a little bit along this line last Father's Day, but I think it is, is even more relevant today. One of the things that I believe with all my heart that's going to mark a move of God, this last day's move of God in the house, is that scripture right there. Because of the statistics and the overwhelming evidence of the powerful impact a father has on his children, you're going to see before you see spiritual children coming into the house, before you see that, that, that mass move of God across the globe, you're going to see the hearts of fathers being turned towards the children. So that means, first of all, fathers got to get it together. So you're going to see fathers change. You're going to see fathers be on fire for God. You're going to see fathers that are engaging in their walk with God on a whole different level. You're here. Amen. But I want you to understand that it's just the same. You can, you can, um, you can have a child, but that doesn't make you a father. You know what I'm saying? And so even in the house of God, listen, you can go and get converts but if you don't disciple them and take them on and do something with their lives, then, then you can be a converter, but not necessarily a father in the house. And I believe that what we're going to see in the days ahead is you're going to see men coming back to the Lord. You're going to see men stepping it up. You're going to see that void and that vacuum that's been in the house. You're going to see that increase and, and, and see a change there because God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers towards the kids. And it's not going to be just about the father anymore. It's not going to be just about the man in his house anymore and being tired and want to do his stuff and want to be focused on the things he wants to do but he's going to rise up and realize that if he doesn't take his place if he doesn't step up into the place that God's called him to be then we're going to lose another generation and it's time for that and you don't have to be uh, this isn't for those of any age and what I mean by that is, is you can be a father uh, um, uh, even as long as you have breath on this earth, you could be a father to somebody. You can have an impact on their life just by interest and time and, and investment in their life. And that doesn't mean the fathers are not required. Doesn't mean you have to, you may be in a place where you can't go and do all the things that kids can do. But that doesn't mean that you can't have time with somebody. That doesn't mean you can't speak into their life. That doesn't mean you can't love on them. We have that opportunity. And, and, and it matters what we do. And he says that once, and, and there's the, 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 when you read this, you see that the first thing that has to happen is fathers have to turn their hearts to their children. 
And then children will turn their hearts to the father. You want to know how to keep your kids close as a father? You want to know how to raise them right as a father? Is make sure your heart is turned towards your children. And that you are present in their lives. That you are available in their lives. That your heart is in their lives, not just your head. Because they will know the difference. And if your heart is not connecting with their heart, then you have a greater chance of disconnecting and losing them. You have to make that connection. You have to be present in their lives. So this isn't just about men showing up to church. This is about a heart adjustment as far as across the board in our men, period. And, and again, I'm not saying that you're here, you're in the house, so you got to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and help you with where you are. Amen? I'm not trying to tell you where you are, right? But I'm giving you the, the, the word of God and then the Holy Spirit will help you define where you are and any adjustments you need to make or adjustments that I need to make. But we know for a fact that in the day in which we live, there's an absenteeism of men and fathers in the house. And that has to change. Amen? And when that does... Something's going to happen. Now watch. If you go to Acts chapter 2, 17, I want to read to you a couple of scriptures that we quote. This was on the day of Pentecost. Peter gets up. He preaches a sermon. He quotes part of the uh, uh, scriptures from Joel chapter 2. And listen to what he says. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out of my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And so we have a picture in the word of God of the days. And and, and I want you to, that word last, listen to what it means. It means the farthest. It means the final of place or time. It means the ends of, the latter end of. The extreme last in time or in place, last in a series of places, last in a temporal succession, the last of the last referring to time. We are in the last of the last. I'm not going to sit here and say Jesus is coming tomorrow. He could, but I don't know. But I know that we're in the last of the last. We're in more of the last than we've ever been. And God says in those days something would happen and not only would it happen, but it would happen in our young people. Now, he, he talks about everybody. But I want you to understand that there's something. He said our sons and our daughters would prophesy. Our sons and daughters would prophesy. And that word prophesy means to speak forth by divine inspiration. It is to utter forth or declare a thing which can only be known by divine revelation. It means to break forth into sudden impulse and lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels under like prompting, to teach, to refute, to reprove, to admonish, or to comfort others. It means to act as a prophet or to walk in the office of a prophet. But that doesn't mean that all of our sons and daughters are prophets, but they will prophesy. He said, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. But if they're not in the house, then they're not going to be in a place to prophesy. 
And that doesn't mean that you can't prophesy outside the house. But my point is, is that I didn't prophesy or learn the gifts of the Spirit and walk in that and flow in that because I was absent from the kingdom. No, it was because I was there every Wednesday and I was there every Sunday and I was there every Monday for prayer and I was there when others prophesied. I was there when others spoke. I was there when I saw the gifts and it developed a hunger and a desire in me and say, I want that in my life. I want the supernatural in my life. I don't want just church. I don't want just the lifeless life of religion experience. I want the power of God flowing through my life. So as a young person, I was exposed to that. And not only exposed, but I was given opportunity to prophesy. I was given opportunity to allow the gifts to flow through my life. I didn't have to wait till I was 30 or 35 or 40 or 45 because I was in the house, because my father was in the house, because my spiritual father was in the house because of others that were in my life that invested in me they invested supernatural things into my life and so my childhood wasn't just an ordinary childhood I got to see the power of God but if the fathers aren't in the house then the kids aren't in the house to experience the supernatural. And the only thing you're left with then is a religious experience and a religious life that's void of the power of God. So you take on a form of godliness and you deny the very power of God and it looks like you're living a godly life when in all reality you're bound up in sin, you're bound up in hatred, you're bound up in all the other things going on in this world because you're not living a life that's full of the power of God. And so as fathers, we have a responsibility to do something about it. We have the opportunity to do something about it. We have the privilege to do something about it. And I want you to understand something, fathers. You may look at your life and say, well, I'm unqualified. You may say, well, I don't know that I can do that. You may look at your life and the struggles of your life and the things going on in your life and feel like you're just barely keeping up as it is. But I want you to know something. God never called you to be something he won't empower you to be. God never called you to live a life that he hasn't provided the wisdom, the power, the, the strength, the grace, the mercy to be able to live that life. God's never asked anything of you or I that God hasn't already made a way for you to walk in it and do it and be it. So it's not a matter of whether you can anymore. It's a matter of whether you will. Because it's not about perfection. It's not about perfection in our life. It's not because you do everything right. It's because of what Jesus has done. And because of what he's done, now you and I have the opportunity to do something. And we have the responsibility to do it. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Ephesians 6, 4 it says, do not provoke, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Kids, get up. We're going to the house. Kids, we're going to read the Bible. Kids, we're going to pray. 
Kids, get up, we're going to the house. I don't want to go to the house. Get up, we're going to the house. Oh, you don't want to go? Well, don't worry about going to school. Don't worry about getting a job. If you don't want a job, don't get a job. If you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. We don't say those words. Go to school, get a job, but if you don't want to go to church, it's all right. God understands. Let me tell you something, God doesn't. God does not understand. He doesn't understand it. He knows it. And I I mean, he understands from an intellectual place. I mean, he's God. He knows everything. But I'll tell you before, and I'll say this statement again because I don't think you got it. Challenges are temporary. Excuses are permanent. And when you live a life of excuses of why you can't do what God's telling you to do, you'll never overcome it because you'll always have an excuse. And if it's not the same excuse, it'll be another excuse. The lifestyle of excuse for my choices is permanent. It's not till I take responsibility and say, no matter what, I'm going to. And I face challenges that may be a setback, but a setback is temporary. But if I make an excuse or I get into that vein of excuses in my life, it becomes permanent. Anybody know anybody that all they do is make excuses? It gets old. I don't want excuses. I want a solution. It's, it's, it's the same for my life. I've made excuses at times. But then there were times my dad taught me, listen, you, you don't get to make excuses. I had a father that taught me discipline. I had a father that taught me the importance of, of not quitting. A father that had taught me the importance of following through and getting things done. I'm a get done thing person. Sometimes certain things may take me a little longer to get done, but I'm going to find a way and get it done. I'm not an excuse person. It's find a solution. Amen? You and I, listen, fathers, you're here. I'm not fussing at you. You have the power. You have the influence. Those of you watching online, you have authority. You have influence. You have power. And again, I'm not talking about just one day. Listen, this one day a year isn't going to change everything. Amen? It's the lifestyle. It's the continual. It's the week to week. It's the day to day of how I live my life and what I do with my life. Genesis 18, 19, talking about Abraham, he says, I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Abraham's blessing was also tied to him training and teaching his family. Because God's blessing to Abraham was offspring that would serve the Lord. That was the blessing of Abraham. 
It was the blessing of God. And, and when we talk about that thing, you can read in Deuteronomy about the curse and the blessing. But the blessing was to your seed and to their seed. And he said, Abraham, look at the stars. Abraham, look at the sand. If you can number the stars, if you can number the sand, then you could see the number of your descendants that you'll have, your offspring. See, part of the blessing on your life, men of God, is that your life impacts generations. It's not just about your children. It's not just about my children. It's about my children's children and my children's children's children and my children's 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 children. It's bigger than me. It's more than me. It's greater than me. It's about the generations of my family and I've got to do my part so that my kids have a chance to do their part so that their kids have a chance to do their part and the other kids have a chance to do their part and we don't lose generations of young people to the world because we're so busy making excuses for why we can't be men of God and do what we're called to do. Sorry to be heavy, but it's a truth. But I want you to know that you're able. There's not a man in this building, there's not a man watching this that you are not able and I'm not diminishing the moms, I'm not taking away from you today, but I'm speaking to the men. Because it makes a difference. And it takes both. First Corinthians 4.15 says, for, those, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. The apostle Paul was talking to the church at Corinth. And he said, listen, you may have 10,000 instructors. He says, but you don't have many fathers. He says, I'm responsible. I've begotten you. Well, Paul wasn't married. So he has to be talking about spiritual offspring. And then he went on to talk about Timothy, his son in the faith. So I'm not just talking about being natural fathers. Amen. You are a spiritual father to your kids and you can be a spiritual father to others. And God will connect that and make that happen. We just have to be willing. Now I want to read this to you because I think this is important to be noted because we live in a time where the rate of single mother homes is is greater than it's ever been all right listen to what it says it says in psalm 68 verse 5 it's talking about the lord he's a father to the fatherless he's a defender of widows is god in his holy habitation god sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. You may be here and say, I don't have a father. I don't know my father, or my father was not involved. You have a heavenly father. And he said he would be a father to the fatherless. And he'll send people into your life to do that. Our children at a young age, lost one of their grandmothers. 
Julie's mom died at 55, 57. It was a year after the twins were born, right? Two, ten months. I was thinking it was a year. All right. Ten months after the twins were born. They've, they've never known her. She lived long enough to see them born. And, and my mom's alive and she's a grandmother to them. But you know, God also sent another grandmother into their life. Sent a, a precious couple that, that loved on them, that bought them toys, that, that made sure their birthdays were great, made sure Christmas was great. God sent somebody else. And it's not the same. It wasn't her mom. But God still sent somebody to step into that role and, and help and come alongside and help make up any difference. See, God just has a way of filling the void. And I realize it may not be the same. I'm not telling you it's the same. But I tell you what, if we'll recognize it and see it, God will use it to have an impact on our life and help us. God makes up the difference. If you're a single mom, God will make up the difference in, in your child's life. And you say, well, I don't need anybody's help. Then what you're doing is setting your kids up to not succeed. Because you do need help. I, Jewel and I are both alive. And we've prayed all of our kids' life for God to send other people into their life to help minister to them and speak life to them and encourage them and teach them what's right. Not because we weren't doing it, but because we knew even as parents we couldn't do it alone. That's why we have the house of God. It's arrogance and pride to say, I don't need help. We all need help. Amen? And God's the one who sends it. Listen, fathers, you're not better than the mother. You're equal. Just so you know, you're equal. Your, your, your husband and wife, you're equals. Right? Same blood paid for you and same blood paid for your, your, your spouse. Same blood. So I'm not here to set up some hierarchy. What I'm doing is setting up role. And who God's using. You see what I'm saying? I'm your pastor. I'm not better than you. I'm not greater than you. By any stretch. But I am a pastor. And I have authority there. But it's because it's a role that God's called me to. Do you understand the difference? And so your role as a father is vital and it's important to your home and it's important to the house. And I want you to know, fathers, that many times we spend our life trying to become something and, and, and I want you to know right now today that as a child of God, born again child of God, you already are. And the problem is, is that we're not taking time to find out who we already are and ensuring that we're walking in who we already are and we're spending our time making excuses for not being who we think we should be. You are a man of God. You are a man of integrity. You are a man of righteousness. 
You are a spiritual man. You are a man of influence. You are a man of impact. You are a man who raises his kids right. You see what I'm saying? God's word says that's who you are. And all you and I have to do is begin to allow God to work and and to bring revelation of that and that be released in my life. It's not something I'm trying to put on. It's something that's already in me. And I just have to release that. And what the enemy does is the enemy's trying to make you feel like you're less than. And he's trying to remind you of what you can't do and who you can't be. And, and he's trying to get you to follow the world system and what they say of who you should be. Instead of just walking out who God already says that you are. <laughs> Amen. It's not as difficult as we think. We just got to listen to the right voice. We've got to dig in and allow the word of God to speak to us, allow the spirit of God to work that in our life and bring change and transformation. The moment you became born again, everything changed. The moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, everything changed. Amen. And I realize we got to renew our mind. We're working out our salvation so there is change and transformation that's continual. Amen. But what we're doing is we're working what's on the inside. We're letting it work itself out on the outside. And I remember with challenges in my life that the challenges that I faced and things that I would need to overcome when I, when I felt weak or when I felt like, you know, um, I, I wasn't able to overcome something, I would begin to say these words, that's not who I am. I'm not that person that's quick to get angry. I'm not that person that's this. I'm not that person that's that. This is who God says I am. I choose to be who God says I am. Not follow what my flesh wants. Not follow what the world says. But I choose to be who God says I am. And you can do that. You're well able to. Amen.